Chapter 17 The Ultimate Starting Point God's Word The disagreement between the believer and the unbeliever, which gives rise to the need for apologetics, as we saw in the last study, is not merely over particular, isolated points. In principle, two complete philosophic systems or perspectives come into conflict when the veracity of the Christian faith is debated. It is for that reason that the apologist cannot be satisfied to argue merely about certain facts, even those very special facts known as miracles like Christ's resurrection. Factual argumentation may become necessary, but is never sufficient. What one takes to be factual, as well as the interpretation of accepted facts, will be governed by his underlying philosophy of fact, that is, by more basic, all-persuasive, value-oriented, categorizing, possibility-determining, probability-rating, supra-experiential, religiously-motivated presuppositions. It is at this presuppositional level that the crucial work in defending the faith must thus be done. This is also manifest in a somewhat different way. All argumentation about ultimate issues eventually comes to rest at the level of the disputant's presuppositions. If a man has come to the conclusion and is committed to the truth of a certain view, P, when he is challenged as to P, he will offer supporting argumentation for it, Q and R. But of course, as his opponent will be quick to point out, this simply shifts the argument to Q and R. Why accept them? The proponent of P is now called upon to offer S, T, U, and V as arguments for Q and R. And on and on the process goes. The process is complicated by the fact that both the believer and unbeliever will be involved in such chains of argumentation. But all argument chains must come to an end somewhere. One's conclusions could never be demonstrated if they were dependent upon an infinite regress of argumentative justifications, for under those circumstances the demonstration could never be completed. And an incomplete demonstration demonstrates nothing at all. Eventually, all argumentation terminates in some logically primitive starting point, a view or premise held as unquestionable. Apologetics traces back to such ultimate starting points or presuppositions. In the nature of the case, these presuppositions are held to be self-evidencing. They are the ultimate authority in one's viewpoint, an authority for which no greater authorization can be given. So then, all apologetic argumentation will require such a final foundation, an ultimate and self-validating presupposition or starting point for thought and commitment. The conscientious apologist should be aware of just what his actual starting point is. But now a problem obviously arises. If argument chains must eventually terminate, and if the believer and unbeliever have conflicting starting points, how can apologetic debate ever be resolved? Since there are different primitive authorities in the realm of thought, does apologetics reduce to a blind, voluntaristic will to believe? Is the decision for or against the faith a mere matter of personal taste eventually? Well, the answer would have to be yes if the apologist contented himself merely with arguments and evidences for selected, isolated facts. But the answer is no if the Christian carries the argument beyond the facts and nothing but the facts to the level of self-evidencing presuppositions, the ultimate assumptions which select and interpret the facts. At this level of conflict with the unbeliever, the Christian must ask, 
What actually is the unquestionable and self-evidencing presupposition? Between believer and unbeliever, who actually has the most certain starting point for reasoning and experience? What is that presuppositional starting point? Here, the Christian apologist, defending his ultimate presuppositions, must be prepared to argue the impossibility of the contrary. That is, to argue that the philosophic perspective of the unbeliever destroys meaning, intelligence, and the very possibility of knowledge, while the Christian faith provides the only framework and conditions for intelligible experience and rational certainty. The apologist must contend that the true starting point of thought cannot be other than God and His revealed Word, for no reasoning is possible apart from that ultimate authority. Here and only here does one find the genuinely unquestionable starting point. It should be clear that this is the perspective of Scripture. It is God's Word which must be our ultimate and indisputable presupposition in thought and argumentation, rather than independently supported brute facts. Christ demonstrated that God's Word, and thus His own teaching, has highest authority in the world of thought. It was the first starting point self-validating foundation, and final standard of the truth. As such, nothing was more ultimate than it or could call it into question. Thus, Christ would never consent to put the Lord God to a test. Matthew chapter 4 verse 7. So also, Christ designated himself as the truth. John chapter 14 verse 6. Christ and his word stand firm as the most ultimately established, trustworthy point of truth. He alone can designate himself the Amen. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14, Isaiah chapter 65 verse 16, and preface his pronouncements with Amen, Amen I say unto you. John chapter 3 verse 3, verse 5, verse 11, etc. Christ and his word are self-attestingly true. As the very standard of truth against which all other claims must be measured, Christ did not rely upon the backing or evidence of others for his teaching. He taught with self-sufficient authority, Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. Should anyone refuse to receive his words, those very words would stand in judgment over him, John chapter 12, verses 48 through 50. They had ultimate authority as coming from the Lord, thus not being subject to challenge. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 15. Christ declared that it would be more tolerable for Sodom than for that city which would not receive the apostolic proclamation for, as he explained to the apostles, He that heareth you heareth me. Luke chapter 10, verses 10 through 16. The divine word is authoritative in itself, carrying its own evidence inherently. Consequently, no man has the prerogative to call it into question. Romans chapter 9 verse 20. Instead, those who contend with God are required to answer. Job chapter 38 verses 1 through 3, chapter 40 verses 1 through 5. God's veracity is to be automatically presupposed. Romans chapter 3 verse 1. For he speaks with unmistakable clarity. Romans chapter 1 verses 19 through 20. Psalm chapter 119, verse 130. Christ disdained those who sought signs beyond the authority of his words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, chapter 16, verse 4. Mindful of that, Luke prefaced such an incident with the words, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Luke chapter 11, verse 28.
Apologists should keep in mind that Christ needs not the witness and glory of man. John chapter 5 verse 31 and verse 41. His greatest witness comes from the Father, speaking in the scripture, John chapter 5 verse 37 verse 39. The refusal of men to believe Christ's word is not attributed to a lack of factual evidence, but rather to their not abiding in that self-evidencing word of God. John chapter 5 verses 36 through 38. Scripture is authoritative in and itself to testify of Christ. For God's word is more sure than an eyewitness experience of the facts. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 16 through 19. If men will not submit to the self-evidencing, ultimate starting point of God's word, neither will the fact of his historical resurrection convince them. Luke chapter 16, verse 31. Hence, when certain disciples were reluctant to believe the fact of Christ's resurrection, he rebuked them, not for failure to attend to the experienced evidence, but for their hesitance to believe the scriptures. Luke chapter 24, verses 24 through 27. So we see that, in terms of a biblically guided method, the crux of Christian apologetics is not mere experienced facts, necessary though they may be, but God's revelation in its self-attesting truthfulness. As defenders of the faith, we are obligated to test the spirits, whether they are from God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. That discernment and defense is required at the level of starting point and presupposition, just as at every higher level. The final standard by which all religious claims, affirmative or negative, are to be tried is the apostolic teaching, 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, which means that it is itself tried but nothing more ultimate. There is no higher authority than God's own self-evidencing word. Therefore, when the apologetic debate centers, eventually, on the issue of conflicting presuppositions, the believer must defend God's word as the ultimate starting point, the unquestionable authority, the self-attesting foundation of all thought and commitment. At the level where there are conflicting claims as to the true, self-evident starting point, our apologetic argumentation must require all or nothing, either complete surrender to the epistemic lordship of Christ Colossians chapter 2 verse 3, or utter intellectual vanity and striving after wind. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 13 through 17. We must argue from the impossibility of the contrary. The fundamental truth of the Christian faith cannot be given a more ultimate or rigorous defense than this. Simple evidences from nature, personality, logic, or history cannot suffice when the debate reaches the presuppositional level. They cannot cast down every high reasoning which exalts itself against the knowledge of God and demand that every thought be made captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4-5 through 5. The unbeliever should not be left with false pretensions, such as that his problem is merely a lack of information, or that he simply needs to correct some of his syllogisms, or that his experience and thinking are all right as far as they go. In actuality, the unbeliever's espoused principles of thought, reason, and reality would lead to utter intellectual foolishness and destruction. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, Matthew chapter 7 verses 26 through 27. This is what must be pointed out, thus witnessing that the contrary of Christianity is impossible, while on the other hand the dogmas of the faith provide the necessary preconditions of intelligibility and meaning. 
Such is the scriptural perspective and method. The source of the unbeliever's moral and epistemological problem is that he has the wrong, allegedly self-evidencing, authoritative starting point in his thought. It should be obvious, then, that the apologist can help the unbeliever only if the apologist is conscientiously aware of the correct, genuinely self-evidencing, ultimate authority in the realm of thought, and is faithful in arguing in such a way that his defense is rooted in that presupposition. Matthew chapter 15 verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18, with John chapter 9 verse 39, Acts chapter 26 verse 18, Psalm chapter 119 verse 18. Indeed, it is the case, as many will be quick to point out, that this presuppositional method of apologetics assumes the truth of Scripture in order to argue for the truth of Scripture. Such is unavoidable when ultimate truths are being debated. However, such is not damaging, for it is not a flat circle in which one reasons, i.e., the Bible is true because the Bible is true. Rather, the Christian apologist simply recognizes that the ultimate truth, that which is more pervasive, fundamental, and necessary, is such that it cannot be argued independently of the preconditions inherent in it. One must presuppose the truth of God's revelation in order to reason at all, even when reasoning about God's revelation. The fact that the apologist presupposes the word of God in order to carry on a discussion or debate about the veracity of that word does not nullify his argument, but rather illustrates it. 